This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome. You've found Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host at Lawyer Liz on Twitter. And while I am an attorney with the Atlanta office of Hall Booth Smith, Buzz Off is not legal advice. Instead, it's a look at the buzz surrounding the Internet of Things, autonomous vehicles, and all the technology and IoT in between. And thank you to everyone for joining us. If you've been following along with the last couple of episodes, if you missed them live on America's Web Radio, hopefully you caught the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the rest. But we are wrapping up our election and campaign technology series today with, admittedly, I am very excited for the guests, and no offense to my fantastic guests who have joined uh, prior shows, but today we have Dave Kennedy, who is researcher and uh, shenanigan rabble-rouser all around, so Dave, thank you for joining us. And your background, you have certainly been on the cusp of all of the technology that comes into the campaigns and elections from researching and your work with uh, Diebold previously and even hosting and co-founder of DerbyCon, the information security conference out of Louisville each year. And this will be your we just completed what your sixth year of DerbyCon. Yeah, that's right. Yep, so, my sixth year of DerbyCon. Crazy. I know. Well, welcome to the show, and can't wait to hear your thoughts on for everything from the emails to really how do we secure our elections and our campaigns themselves, and the broader yeah. look at well how does this translate into the boardrooms and office and even your personal life what what do we need to have an eye on or be on the lookout for now that technology is everywhere so with that welcome and thanks for joining us yeah thanks so much for having me on liz uh totally humbled to be on and uh look forward to chatting with everything and uh yep happy to do it i say an attribution always gets kicked stuff off because well if you read the press releases and the news coming out of the government that's inspecting and investigating the DNC email and information breaches, they say blame Russia. But I thought is yep. uh, South Park toss blame Canada. So it's taken a, a more serious tone, though. Well, what's interesting, you know, I, I think this is very much the, the real first political election that we've had where, you know, we've seen a lot of breaches try to sway one, one way or the other based off of, you know, political beliefs. And, and so the United States, you know, the White House released a statement, um, I believe, earlier this week and, and it started to a little bit in the, the past last made official this week around um, blaming uh, Russia for the DNC hacks and the, the Hillary leaks and all that good stuff that's been happening you know, over the past several months. And, you know, the, the attribution piece is so hard because you can literally make yourself look like you're coming from anywhere. And the United States hasn't released any information regarding how 
Um, they know it's Russia or why they're claiming it's Russia specifically, but, but they are claiming it is Russia at this point and that you know, they would go back for proportional you know, attacks back to, to Russia. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see all of this go because you know, what was interesting is if you look at about a year and a half ago, or maybe it was about two years ago, um, the United States indicted um, a number of people in the People's Liberation Army, the PLA of China, and, you know, there were very specific military folks that they believed were involved in hacking, um, um, you know, on behalf of the Chinese government. And, the, you know, and China responded back with, oh, no, no, that wasn't us, that wasn't us. But what happened is they had a lot of political blowback for it, and they actually calmed down. And, and China actually has been much less on the hacking scale than we've ever seen before in the past. But that doesn't work for Russia. Russia, you know, you, you've kind of seen this tit-for-tat thing happening where, you know, we come out and say, well, Russia's hacking. Well, then they're like, nope, wasn't us. And by the way, here's some of your, you know, at least, at least you know, what it looks like is, well, here's some of your hacking tools that you used against us and publishing it online uh, from the shadow broker. So it's really crazy to see all this kind of happen in the public, whereas traditionally it's been very much, you know, under the shadows, um, you know, and, and, and countries going after each other behind the scenes versus very much up front politically. So it's, it's, I think it's a big policy shift in the United States, and it's kind of interesting to see it kind of unfold, but it definitely has large implications on the election. Well, it's almost as if they're not guilty. You know, it, it seems as when you hear these stories of spies and espionage from years ago, is it was almost a gentleman's approach of, well, we don't want to be caught. We're not, you know, going to speak of such things, perhaps, uh, in public, and now it's oh, we've been caught. Well, okay, but it wasn't us. And as you noted, if it if it was, uh, here's some things you might want to have back. But that embarrassment factor is not as strong. Well, it's almost a pride. Part, like there hasn't been major ramifications for hacking aside from if you look at what happened with North Korea. You know, um, United States blamed North Korea for the for the Sony takedown, and you know, I think publicly what we saw is that, you know, North Korea's internet shut down for like a week or something like that, you know, as retaliation. But, I mean, you really don't see much from the retaliation side of what's happening from our side over. So, I mean, is there really any ramifications? It doesn't matter if we're public or not, or can we just deny it? I mean, China's always like, nope, wasn't us. You know, Russia's like, oh, one of our systems was hacked inside of our government, and, um, you know, we've removed that infected machine. You should no longer see it anymore. Like, obviously, totally not, you know, probably accurate in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, they don't really have any type of care about that at all. Well, and that's one of the things that uh, last week's guest, Stephen Fleming, and I were talking about with respect to, with at least with Watergate, you, there was the duct tape on the door that gave it away. But when we start talking about the Internet of Things, and by that I just mean everything that's connected and all of our devices, it's harder to identify if there even is the duct tape left behind. And that's one of the things and you know, y'all look for. Some of the, the ways that, you know, the, that these hackers, you know, break in, you know, there are known patterns that specific groups will use. And, you know, there's a lot of research that's been done on different Chinese groups and different Russian groups and, and you know, like the tools that they use and the methods that they use and the, you know, command and control infrastructure that they use in order to, to perform these hacks. So there, there is ways of, of being able to tell, you know, pattern-wise what possible group it is, but to tie it back to an individual is usually very difficult. So, yeah, you don't know when these, these elements or remnants may be left over or a way for you to be able to determine it. And, and on top of it, you know, most of these 
folks don't even know they've gotten breached. So there's probably multiple breaches happening all over the place. Well, it's not probable. It is. You know, the DNC, I think, took, what, a year and some change in order to figure out that they were compromised and hacked. Um, you know, and, and it started off with just, oh, hey, you know, we, it's only a couple of, of minor things. No donor information was taken. And then we realized, you know, a few days later that they have all the information from the DNC, all the emails, all the donor information. So, you know, it's really interesting to see right now, you know, the, the whole hacking front because it's, it's definitely expediting more of a Cold War type feel that we see, but more so on the on the cyber front. Well, and it kind of plays into the theory that, or at least one of the comments I had heard made was that basically the DNC it was the duplicity that what the public comments and the private comments did not match. That of course the Republicans. Or you know, and other parties were breached and compromised, but yep. it's not as much fun looking at their information because if someone was brilliant in public, they were brilliant in private. If they were a jerk in public, they were a jerk in private. That it's more the gotcha moment that it seems this election has become. I think that's the, the interesting part about this, right? Because, you know, you, you, there was an, an FBI flash report that came out um, where, you know, they had said they were, they're seeing a high, high elevation of direct attacks against the state election systems for each individual state. And on top of it, you're seeing, you know, very targeted attacks against, you know, private information that could potentially sway an election one way or the other over people's minds or votes. And, you know, in the military, we call that PSYOPs. Um, so I, you know, I, when I was in the military um, working in the Marines, uh, I worked in the intelligence community, I worked with the PSYOPs folks all the time. And what's interesting is, you know, can you change public perception based off of either disinformation or information that you can provide in order to change or sway, you know, individuals? And I think that's a lot of what you're seeing now. And, and you know, you see, you know, the, the private email scandal that's happening with Hillary, a lot of dis- disinformation there, and as well as a lot of public information there. But then you also see the DNC hacks, and they're releasing juicy emails, and WikiLeaks is involved in it. It's, it's on every major news organization. It's all over Twitter. It's every time there's a new release, you know, Guccifer 2.0, publishing new information and stuff like that. You know, it has a major impact to the geopolitical perception that we have here, um, and it's, it's, it's definitely resonating. So to me, this is one of the most fascinating elections from a security perspective because we're seeing it from all fronts. I mean, why would hackers be going after state, you know, state election systems across the board unless they, they thought they could change possibly data or get access to information that they could release later on? Um, or And why are they attacking specific demographics, you know, like the Democratic Party, um, you know, to, to sway this? So it's, it's really fascinating to see how the dynamics kind of play together. And, and you know, we only see a tiny, tiny picture of, of the overall picture that's happening out there. Now, I still wish I had my, my government clearance so I could actually <laughs> see what's going on, but... You know, it's interesting to, to see all this happen and take place. It's, it's really history in the making. Well, and you raised the the voting machines and kind of the elections and the FBI uh, flash alert that went out because it's up to what at least twenty states had they had yep. they reported activity. As you noted, it that doesn't mean that it's not happening in others. They're saying it at least. Uh, yep. Well. And with your background, I mean, you know a thing or two about these voting machines. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was the, the chief security officer uh, for Diebold for a number of years, and I came in actually after the voting machines. But I did a lot of research on them, um, you know, and, and how they work and tick and all that good stuff. And, you know, that, that 
uh, at the time it was called Premier Election Systems, got sold off and divested and everything from the company. Um, but they're very, very similar model. And it's interesting to see how they work, and, and this is my understanding of the current systems, is that, you know, there's really no interconnectivity that occurs at the local, you know, level. So when you go to a school or a church or whatever and you go and you vote there, um, you know, there's no connectivity to the overall state that does the, the tallying and the polling and all that good stuff. They actually physically drive them to the locations in order to insert them. But, you know, the system that, that you know, does all the counting from the different locations and everything else, that is interconnected in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I've done a lot of work before in the past for, for both, you know, local, state, and federal levels. And, you know, I have zero confidence in the security measures that most states put into um, protecting information, um, databases, everything else. I mean, obviously, we had the issues with, with healthcare.gov and, you know, the federal level, but the states are, are like 30 times worse. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see all of these attacks happen on these states. And, and it, by, by the way, the, the flash release was released, I think, you know, three months ago. But they've been tracking this for several months. So hackers have been going after the state election systems for, for a very long time, you know, and, and that leads you to wonder, you know, what are they going after? What are they trying to change? What are they trying to do? What type of information they have? Were they successful? We know none of that. Well, and why, as you point out, why now? I mean, if this is something yeah. that has been going on for a while, and really with any system, it, I think it's safe to assume that they're under attack constantly, just if nothing else out of the curiosity effect. But we're about to jump to commercial break. And so when we get back, let's delve a little bit deeper into the voting systems and where issues may arise. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. 
Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and we're chatting today with Dave Kennedy. Follow him on Twitter at Hacking Dave. And Dave, okay, right before the break, you brought up uh, the research that you've done into the various voting systems and both from the state management all the way down to the local level. And uh, based on what you were saying, I'm, to say scared, uh, is putting it mildly. I mean, my vote is just not secure at all, (laughs) from what it sounds like. Well, I think think this is the first election cycle where I can definitively say it, it, it could be possible to change elections. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm not saying it is happening. But the elevated level of activity that we've seen against the voting machines, the level of, of intrusions that we've seen against specific political parties from other um, nations, I mean, I think this is really the first time that we've, you know, I could definitively say that it's, it's at least possible based on the investment that these countries are making in our own political system. So I think that's that's definitely scary. But I also want to say that, you know, talking to the whole, you know, PSYOPs part that I talked about earlier, I mean, this also is, is very possible that this is a way to remove confidence in the election systems um, or show that there are significant breaches after the elections have occurred to cause political turmoil here in the United States. So there's there's a lot of different motives that this could possibly be, but you know, I you know I don't feel comfortable currently <laughs> knowing you know the state level securities about using electronic voting, um, you know, in any capacity. Uh, so I I would say that uh, I'm, I'm pretty nervous myself. Well, in this, I've seen Wag the Dog. I've you know, watched the movies and read all the you know, political thrillers and the concepts don't seem particularly new. I mean, certainly. Uh, different countries have always tried to influence or basically build themselves up on the instability of others. But it seems, as you've noted, we're hearing more about it. Is that prepping us for an ask after the elections? Well, I mean, the thing thing is, I I don't think we had the level of involvement from from foreign nations that we do today actively i mean we, we may have had in disinformation or things that may have tried to you know change the election cycle but never like the volume of hacking that we're seeing today um you know just in corporations in our infrastructure and in our banking systems you know you know kind of all across the board you mentioned the internet of things and all that good stuff you know it's 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 at such a heightened level nowadays that you know it almost makes you wonder you know what's going to happen in the future with technology because of all of the ability to to break it so you know i i have to say that you know maybe maybe what happens and maybe the whole play with russia is you know six months after the election you know they post all of the voter registration information and and say and just make a statement like and you can it can be anonymous like we're this hacker group and we threw the election to hillary or whomever right Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine the damage that that would cause here from a political perspective, legal, everything? I mean, recasting votes, it would cause the entire nation to 
to literally buckle on herself and not not have any confidence whatsoever in his government um, in its ability to protect information. I mean, it's you know it's kind of like the weird you know uh, you know uh, type of, of situations that you don't really predict for, but are are definitely possible. Well, and it, two, it as you noted by eroding the faith if. In the election, the system itself, you've eroded the faith in the leadership. And if you're afraid that, let's just say, uh, we Hillary Clinton uh, comes out ahead in November and is elected, then if you know some of her policies were going to go against you by eroding faith in the election, you've essentially damaged her ability to implement and. Donald Trump or third party candidate, you know, however it shakes out, it seems that that plays across uh, almost agnostic as to who the winner is. But within the government, do you think, is it something that more money for the voting systems could fix the problem? So this is, this is, I think, a, a, a great talk and discussion right here because it's not one that the federal and state levels are really doing. Um, it, it, it comes down to to really just fundamental security practices, you know, um, you know, air gap of systems and things that we've done well, you know, historically in the past around, you know, like classified systems and encryption and stuff like that. They're not doing the basics on, you know, ClearNet or NipperNet or whatever, um, you know, they're leveraging for um, unclassified systems. I mean, it's kind of the wild, wild west in the government when it comes to local, state, and federal and, and, and the Hillary emails are a great example of that, you know, having classified emails on non-classified systems. And, and that's not just a, a Hillary piece. I mean, there's multiple folks on all parties that are doing the exact same thing. I think it was done during the Bush administration as well as a number of others. It just shows a lack of control um, over our data and our sensitive data that, that the government isn't protecting. So I don't think it's a money problem. I think it, 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 it has to do with the government understanding how to best protect. And, and Cyber Command... You know, um, but the military was really supposed to be a piece of that where, you know, you have defenders and attackers and that and le- being able to leverage, you know, offensive capabilities as part of a military capability, but also having the ability to, to you know, offensively go after your own infrastructure and get better from a blue team perspective. But it comes down to talent there. And the problem is, is that the private sector pays significantly more than the military does. So that could be where you could throw some more money at potentially is, is being able to pay people to have longer retentions both in the NSA as well as on the blue team side to get top-notch quality folks. But there has to be, you know, you look at the National Institute of Standards and Technology or NIST. NIST is a great framework for building security programs as well as hardening and everything else. But, you know, it's not, it's not, it's very, it's followed very loosely within the government and, and you don't have the folks and the talent in place to be able to effectively understand what you need to do to build uh, security. So some states have a, a, a good handle on it, like a good example um, is, you know, there's a state that I know of, and I uh, unfortunately I can't name which one it is, but they're more centralized in nature uh, for how they, they offer services. So they're more of a, a service provider to the entire state, and the state is not allowed to own their own IT assets. So you don't have, you know, a court system in this county running, you know, a different, you know, software version or web application or something like that. It's very consistent across the board. So I almost think you have to have the same, you know, concept across, you know, the entire, the entire country and all the different states and federal levels Know, to really unify that and have more of a, a overbody shadowing all of the different units and reporting through that versus anything else. Well, and going back to the voter t- 
turnout and some of the stuff we were talking about before real quick would an unprecedented, you know, you have the pollsters trying to capture uh, the feeling and going through with the different voters. But if you have a, a large group that we thought were going to stay home suddenly show up, does that shift everything? I mean, it certainly would come if the polls don't match. It, that raises questions because, well, then either the polling's yep. wrong or the count is wrong. But how else do yep. you see that impacting if suddenly folks that we weren't expecting to show up show up to vote? Or just, you know, switching votes for people that actually did vote. You know, if I voted Democrat and, uh, and all of a sudden my, my vote is now Republican, and you'd only need to do it in a couple of states. You wouldn't need to impact every single state. You know, I mean, you know, you can look at the percentages of where, you know, population-wise, you know, a, a certain candidate is more likely to win and, and target a lot of the swing states. And, you know, you, you know, literally with a, you know, few votes, you can switch an entire election process and, and make it very hard from an auditing perspective to even go back and see that. So maybe not even stay-at-home voters in large populations, but just switching certain demographics of it um, so that, you know, it still appears to be relevant data, um, but, you know, does throw an election to a certain candidate. I mean, that's definitely possible, knowing that, you know, let's just let's just say, I mean, there, there has been, you know, confirmations that there have been breaches um, at the state levels, um, especially around the election systems. Um, you know, let's just say that, that one or two or, or five databases for the election cycles are compromised and they, those are those change. I mean, that can change the entire election and be very, very difficult to detect. Well, and what... From a poll worker standpoint, I mean, you have you are in some ways blindly relying on the printouts and the database information that you're seeing. When in Georgia, when you go in, they'll scan your uh, driver's license or compare it uh, against the rolls, and if it's not there, you can file a provisional ballot. You can argue with it, but you know, mail-in ballots aren't calculate it at that point. It just seems that we're setting ourselves up uh, for almost a train wreck, grab the popcorn, and just sit back and wring your hands kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest risks are really going to be at the state level, but you're absolutely right from the sense that the local, you know, um, installations, you know, do you trust that? And it would, I think it would take a lot more effort to physically maintain access to those systems. They're not supposed to be connected to anything, but who knows if that's actually, you know, the, the case um, in all the states. So, you know, I'd be interested to see what happens. You know, that we, we you know, it turns out we, this could all be paranoia, right? You know, <laughs> just what we're seeing, you know, doesn't equate to, you know, the election being thrown and everything else. Maybe everything goes without a hitch and, you know, everything's perfect and our democratic process fills its, you know, uh, you know, process for, for hiring or electing. The, the scary part to me, though, is, is knowing whether or not that actually occurred um, and, and having doubts about that because we really haven't had those type of doubts in the past. I think that's the, the major concern that I have. And, you know, you know it, it, maybe we don't know about it for six years down the road after the next, you know, presidents are, are reelected or whatnot. I mean, how does that change things? I mean, we can't even detect a breach, you know, in a year period. How are we going to detect it within a certain time frame during the election cycle? So, you know, these are all interesting things that, you know, I, I, I don't have a good answer for and i and, and you, you can't solve them right now <laughs> i say you, yeah. you, you can't solve all of it well, because hey put me <laughs> you know hire it, me as the cyber securities are for the uh for the government and i'll fix everything but uh you know i don't actually i don't even know if i want that exactly not, but, but, uh, you know like uh, yeah 
<laughs> retract that statement very quickly. Well, and I've <laughs> I make the joke on occasion that uh, you know everybody in inside the Beltway uh, wants to be a baller, and by that you know money is power, power leads to money, and so if you watch the HBO show Ballers that kind of epitomizes it that the way to be a beltway baller is to have a bigger budget and to do that for the agencies they need to have a crisis and it, yeah so part of it wonders well is this an excuse or a, a justification for becoming a baller but we'll take a look at that we're about to jump to our next uh, commercial break and when we come back we're going to be joined for more of a round table style discussion with ryan english and you're listening to buzz off with lawyer liz on america's web radio when four members of congress all die within four months each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes but when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long dead revolutionary heroes one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer his search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide the sun silas rising a novel by doug dahlgren on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I can live with it. And welcome back well, to Buzz I'll... Off with Lawyer Liz. And I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. You found us on America's Web Radio. And we're completing the look we've been uh, going through over the last few weeks on technology, Internet of Things, and information security impact on campaigns and elections. So before the break, we have decided that... The first guest, uh, Dave Kennedy, who is still with us, uh, Dave has volunteered to be the uh, voting election cyber czar for the next administration. So whomever it may be, take note, you have a volunteer. (laughs) What are you signing me up for, Liz? uh, Nothing that you didn't volunteer for. I'm just, I I thank you for your service, and we're joined. <laughs> we're joined as well by Ryan English, who, if you have caught prior episodes of the show, Ryan kicked us off with the look at elections and campaign, and 
security from the logistics standpoint and how you really work with either elected officials, candidates, the staff, and in a broader sense in the business uh, community and even into your personal life, how do you take those necessary steps to protect your information and your data, which seemed a good fit because now that Dave has completely uh, made me doubt uh the validity or the ability of my vote to carry the weight it should, it it all Ooh, comes good. no, and it, it, it all comes good. back good to. Good job, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, I aim to please everybody. That's what I'm here for. And I'm the, <laughs> I apparently missed the best part of the show already. That's great. no, the Sorry. best is the best is yet to come because y'all are going to help us kind of filter through some of that. I mean. Ryan, you had talked about before, just give up your cell phone, give up your devices. I mean, the British Parliament is now, if I'm quoting it correctly or understanding correctly, Apple Watches are not allowed in certain meetings because of security issues. I mean, Dave, if I leave my Apple Watch, my iPhone at home in the voting booth, that's really not going to help, is it? No, I mean if you if you even if you look at the you know the the, the WikiLeaks uh, that just came out, you know they're they're not saying that it came you know, the, the bulk of what people are talking about in this release was all from her campaign manager. So if you look at the vulnerability, it's it's the people around the candidate that are yeah. are extremely vulnerable and and you know having the as a as an individual doing either digital or physical security uh, your client is on on all these levels, and it's it's one thing to corral you know herd cats if that cat is like the big the one big cat. You know, convincing that person uh, is is difficult enough, but then now you have to be responsible for everybody in the immediate circle, and even 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 a couple of layers of their circles uh, beyond that. Uh, to the point where you have to ask yourself, and, and, and you know, Dave, I'm, I'm betting you've asked yourself, where in John Podesta's life was this, you know, this this compromise at his home, in his car? Who, who really, you know, who knows where his initial compromise was that allowed his emails to eventually end up in the hands of whoever? Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think, uh, you know, not directly talking about Hillary specifically, but the people around her. Are the biggest security risk in this case because you know they're, they're you know the, you see the, the the you know front page of the news and it's you know Hillary you know part of Hillary's campaign slams Catholics you know I'm sure that doesn't look good for the Catholic population um, you know same thing going for you know specific demographics so you know people you know and what they say even though it may not be a direct reflection off of what Hillary was stating um, can have a negative impact on the campaign as well so you know, the security ramifications of this, uh, of, of targeting individuals that are part of her campaign, you know, inner circle, I mean, that, that's, they're definitely targets all the time, um, you know, from, from every device that you can possibly imagine. And, and you're absolutely right, Ryan. I mean, I think, you know, we don't know where the compromise came from. It could have came from any of those uh, type of, of attacks. Yeah, there's so many layers to that. And, uh, you know, it, it would it's going to drive even even experienced security people. It's 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 an incredible challenge and i i you know you you really have to have two separate houses of security if yep. if that's what you want is you you're gonna have to have your digital guys 
working separately and alongside of your physical security guys. And uh, because let's just face it, like having had a little bit of experience in both, and, and you know, Dave, you're in the Marine Corps, you have an idea of what even you know how, how the process works. You you have uh, an enormous amount of responsibility on both sides, and you have to deconflict those responsibilities. You can't be doing both. Yeah, that's that's nothing comes down to like you know, you know, things that you do have a direct impact on others. Like for example, if I send an email to Ryan, I'm like, hey man, you know, uh, this totally sucks, and I dislike this person, and I dislike this, and I dislike this. Well, I may not become compromised, but but Ryan might, and his information is not posted, and I'm directly involved into that. So like, I'm very careful on the security side around anything that I send, you know, with communications to make sure that in the event that something were to happen to somebody that I'm working with. You know that there is an issue. Like, I mean, it's like in sharing of passwords or you know giving someone access to systems, things like that. I mean, there's a lot of implications security-wise where where this could be a problem. You know, it's funny, and if you think about how this works when you're doing digital security for an enterprise, uh, and and you're always going to struggle with their chief information officer or or anybody in that C level that hey, man, all these things you want me to do are going to slow down my process of business. And you just have to look at them and say, well, okay, that, that happens, and you're going to have to adjust a little bit. But now you, you look at a, what may be a more dynamic field, which is politics, um, and how much would really good security slow down the process of a campaign. And that's something that, you know, just like you mentioned yeah. just a moment ago, how much can I really talk to you in the clear uh, and, and get my point across to you about what we need to do with this local, uh, you know, you, you've got this, no matter who you are, you're going to have to deal with this local honcho, that VIP, and, and you don't know how clearly you can tell the next guy in the campaign, like, what we're going to be aiming to get out of this, this sit-down, this meeting, because you don't know where you've been compromised. And um, that's, a, that's a strange animal for a lot of these I think the adjustment, and, and as an observer, I'm actually getting a kick out of out of the revelations, you know, that we're seeing because they're they're all neat. Like, oh, you got to have a public facing point of view, and, and what you're going to broadcast is your platform in a totally different private one, which <laughs> which is great to to, yeah. to hear the truth, you know, as an observer. But as a security professional, you're you're looking at that like, oh God, what failure did that? You know, what who failed? Who screwed that up? And, yep. I fully agree. Well, and so, and, it, and, and other than taking, ahead, sorry, oh, so, no, it's okay. And so, it, other than taking away the blacker, you know, it's one thing to tell people, okay, you can't have your Apple Watch or you can't do you know, this or that or have this device or, but I mean, you we're talking of both of y'all are calling into the show and the cars that you may, be driving in now or driving in later. I mean, they're Wi-Fi hotspots, or they're some of the other issues. And how how do we change that? Or is there something? How does that impact really what you're planning and logistically from the campaign, but from the business? As we've touched on it briefly, but all right, two professionals. What do y'all tell clients? That's a good point, Liz. I mean, how paranoid do you want to get? I mean, can you you're you're leaving a, a campaign stop or a meeting with uh, some supporters, and the limousine that you've got rented in this local area has Wi-Fi. I mean, 
are you really going to tell the candidate, no, we'll take the next one? Or, you know, somebody didn't get that right on the rental side. And is it that much of a threat? Are we going to freak out over it and miss a, miss a flight back to wherever? I mean, you can't really, again, you know, Dave, like how often do you have to tell somebody like, yeah, I mean, I can't disrupt your flow that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and you know, there's, there's a, I think there's a, a good balance between security and usability, right? But, I mean, you know, you look at, what was it, like three three years ago or something like that, uh, they claimed Russia hacked into the White House and was able to identify President Obama's flight plans and his schedule and all that other stuff that they had access to. You know, that, that's a fail on, on, you know, some very sensitive information that they were using. But they, you know, probably who was ever using it just figured, well, hey, it's just a schedule. I'm sure it's protected fine on our unclassed network. Why would I need to classify it? Um, so it's, it's what level of, of assurance do you want? And, and being in this business, it's all about, you know, it's what we call a risk-based approach on everything and, and your level of risk. And, you know, you have to look at it as, is someone going to hack your car in order to listen to your conversation? Probably not. Um, but they will, you know, somehow fish you, get your password, and use that password somewhere else to get access to one of your systems that you use across the board. So, you know, there's, things, there's stuff that you can do to minimize your risk, um, you know, things like two-factor authentication in certain places, um, not using the same password across the board, you know, um, Wait, I have to, I have to remember what you have out there. I'll say you're making it so that I'm going to have to remember more than one password. And I'm saying that. Not necessarily. Use, use like a password vault. Use like a password vault or something like that, even mm-hmm. though Tavis Romani pretty much uh, destroyed most of them. But aside from that, you know, use a password yeah. vault uh, to, to, to keep, you know, passwords consistent. Well, in- I was joking today on the, uh, on the range with a couple of guys that are in town to go to a contest this weekend. These guys are uh, former instructors uh, at the Army Sniper School, and they uh, we were joking about passwords. And one of them said, I can't believe I'm living in a world where, you know, and this guy's 38 years old, and so he's an older guy, and he said, I can't believe I'm living in a world where, once again, writing numbers down backwards on a piece of paper is really my best form of security. <laughs> and if I hide that, he goes, you know, I've got to, all i got to remember is hide that paper from anybody, and, and I'm actually more secure. And then the other guy said, what did he say? He said um, uh, something along the lines of, um, you know, I. He goes. He goes. It's almost like the movie Memento, where I've got to just <laughs> tattoo different things on different parts of my body so that I. Don't <laughs> <forget>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and uh, I was just it, glad it, it, uh, they were talking about. Well, you read uh, some of the stuff that's coming out of this latest uh, the Podesta emails that or in looking at some of the um, Clinton emails that perhaps some of the classified information was being sent to her after she had left office and it, I felt like you heard this uh, you know, cis admin uh, rejoicing going see we're not the only ones who forgot to turn off somebody's access when they quit the job Yeah, no kidding and I've left I've left jobs and been receiving people's itineraries and emails, uh, you know, months after the fact. Uh, and, and um, you know, the I remember being overseas and staying at a hotel and somebody was sending itineraries back and forth. And, uh, you know, one, we were traveling with the, uh, the guy who was doing network support for the contract. He looked at me and goes, are we really doing itineraries at the hotel in Dubai right now? And, he, and I said, yeah, I need to do this now. And they just sent it to me. And he goes, no, are we really doing this? And I never got it. I didn't get it for years. Like what his, what his, 
point was. And then years later, after that company, after I left that company and moved on to a different one, uh, I was still getting that people's mail. Well, and, and the it, failures it, of in receiving those. Exactly. Well, we'll take that up right after the break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz as we enter the last segment of the show. Today, we are talking with Dave Kennedy and Ryan English and have, again, I, I'm scared for the election and campaign security and technology issues. And when I say scared, not uh, completely shaking my boots, but it, it's raising a level of awareness. And uh, kudos, gentlemen. Uh, I don't think I'm the only one who's sitting there going, well, fudge, what do we do now? <laughs> And I don't want to put, uh, you know, like a, a negative damper on everything where the whole world is burning down and everything. I think in security we have a tendency to, to do that quite often where, you know, the whole, these are just possibilities, right? Um, and, and we look at some of the information out there from the FBI and, you know, what's publicly happened in the news and, you know, what's happening with the DNC hacks and everything else. And 
know, we're, we're, we're making conclusions about it based off of what we see. So, you know, I don't want to alarm everybody. Just that it's possible doesn't mean it's, it's going to happen, I guess is the best I'll way say, of putting that. Hashtag right. everything is awful. Right. Everything. Well, I, see, I, I attest to the Lego song, Everything is Awesome, um, <laughs> the Lego movie with my kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you raised, uh, Dave, you raised some interesting points earlier in the show that could spark a change, at least on the voting system level, of, okay, take these uh, techniques that you know, Ryan has described and some other folks have pointed out on just general information security best practices, apply them to the elections. It, air gap the systems, you know, not have have some of these multi-factor authentications, you know, everything doesn't need to talk to everything else. I mean, are there some other take-home ideas that you see could, that could shape or direct us back on track? Yeah, and, and you know, I, the, the, go ahead, sorry, sorry, go ahead, man. On, you know, it just occurred to me that, you know, the things that that you were describing, and 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 you know the, you know the, the things that Liz just reiterated. There are some good things that will come out of this, I think, and that is number one. No matter, you know, I, I don't think there's a level of tampering that's really possible to go without notice in this particular election that's going to change the outcome of the election. So in this way, it's like we get a mulligan. You know, we get a gimme on 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 the issue to an extent. Like you can't you can't ignore security, but you kind of already know how how the thing's going to play out. And what it does, though, is raise awareness for a lot of people who may still kind of not think it's going to happen to them or, you know, businesses that really don't think they're that big. And when they see how easy and pervasive a bad thing can be, um, and, you know, Liz, like you said, not everything has to talk to everything. And, and, and the fact that this thing is major news right now actually allows security people a moment in time to, to say, hey, guys, look. Can you can you see how bad something can get? Now, can can you maybe listen and we can do a little bit more to help you and and kind of let's yeah. press the issue forward. Uh, you know, in the things change so quickly, but um, one thing that is consistent is security people are always going to struggle with perfect security and getting their client to 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 get closer to better or, or, or best. You know, and, and and this is visibility. This is free publicity. Uh, this is good for everybody. In a way, yeah, and, and I think you, you hit a good point there, which is, you know, initially in the beginning you had mentioned, you know, no one really takes security seriously until something major happens, um, and and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that that news start to hit where we're, we're not as as prepared as we'd want to be um, for this. But you know, let's just say something cataclysmic does happen, I can guarantee you, depending on how painful it is, you know, most folks won't want to go through that again. So, you know, we may see a better election cycle next time around based off of these as well. So I mean, we see that with everything from small businesses, you know, all the way to large breaches. I mean, you saw the retail space getting, you know, pretty much hacked every single week. And they, you know, spent a ton of money, um, you know, revamping all their systems, moving to EMV, which is definitely not a perfect system in itself. But, um, you know, they, you know we, we've seen shifts where companies have direct, you know, um, changes based off of data breaches. So maybe, you know, maybe something cataclysmic has to happen here uh, in order for, you know, us to go back to a system that, that is effective and works. So I guess time will tell if something happens this time around or not. And, you know, maybe we have another another show with you, Liz, here, uh, you know, after the elections and say, well, we're still here. Uh, you know, <laughs> life is still on Earth. And, uh, 
you know, you know, or or hey, it was terrible, and what do we need to do to get better in the future? Well, and if nothing else, absolutely, uh, you'll need to come back on, and uh, also to give a shout out to DerbyCon. Uh, hopefully, we'll have look forward to some great talks on some more of these issues of where things have been or kind of takeaway messages or new research. I mean, that's always uh, when stuff gets awful, it means we get to see some cool presentations, right? And Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, when it comes to, to I mean, these, these discussions, I think this is what spawns a lot of of healthy debate on what's enough security or what's not enough security. And uh, I think it really comes together. And I hope the government, you know, realizes the same thing that, you know, they, they can't do anything inside of a bubble. They really need help from outside. They need help from the private sector. These are all things that we need to get done. Um, and, and I still think it's, it's something they're, they're willing to do right now. Well, and it too, I think, it, as you all have noticed or noted, it raises the conversation that now people are perhaps a little more aware of, uh, I still, as talked about with Stephen Fleming last week, it, it brings back the question, are courier pigeons and snail mail and it, you know, the bike messengers, is perhaps they'll see a revival of interest and not everything has to be digital. Yeah, that, I yeah. Mean, that's one piece of the puzzle, isn't it? You know, how, how much of this can you safeguard with a trusted individual because at the end of the day you've got to trust individuals do so much already you know don't you know you know the body man they refer to like the closest assistant as the body man you know that that guy can be carrying messages in in you know verbally you know it and you go back to those old systems that never seem to fail um low tech sometimes is the best tech well, and, uh, you know, and I, I... Yeah, I actually, I, I don't even know why we, we continue to try to put the voting machines, um, you know, in an electronic format. I mean, it's been a disaster time and time again. I mean, I, I don't understand what the problem... I understand maybe for, for efficiency or maybe counting things, things like that, but let's go back to the, the point in time where we are counting ballots, you know, paper. I mean, this is the, the literally the most sacred thing that we have in this country is our election process. It's what makes us as a country and a democracy. I mean... We should make sure we get this part right, like 100% right. Um, and and, yeah, if, and if, you, if you can't say with 100% certainty about electronic is the way, I mean, then don't do it. Well, you know, if, if all that dimpled chat and hanging chat, like, frenzy that happened in 2000, what was really so bad about that? At the end of the day, you could physically put your hand on every one of those ballots and say, dimpled, hanging, it doesn't matter, I think I know which that is and it's right there in your hand, and it can't be refuted, and there's no ambiguity. And, Dave, you got a great point. Like, you know, one man, one vote, one woman, one vote. Like, I, I like that. I mean, I don't – it's got it, – and it feels better in somebody's hands when it's tangible. I, I can't well, believe that the voter feels better about his vote when he's doing it on a touch screen. I can't believe that. Yeah. Well, and is is – we're going into some of these countries and helping them set up the perfect voting system. You look at, you know, countries like Iraq where we're telling them, hey, when you cast your vote, you dip your finger in ink. 
you know, so that it's marked in some of those pen and papers you noted. So there may be a hanging chad, but at least you have a different level of comfort with the outcome and the system itself. That's correct. I, I firmly believe that. Like, I think, the, and it's funny, when you looked at pictures back in, like, 05, when they were voting and they had their fingers in the air with ink on it, you looked at those people's faces and they were completely in awe of what they had just done. They loved it. And, you know, when I vote and I got that little I'm a Georgia voter sticker on, I'm walking around a little bit. My chest is out, maybe. You know, I look at the people who don't have that on that day and I'm like, oh, uh, I guess you're not that much of an American, are you? And I laugh, but, you know, I, I'd rather have a inky finger than, <laughs> than not know if that vote really got counted. I, I don't know if I'm ready to sacrifice the manicure just yet, but at the same time, I should be because people have died for the right. So, uh, you know. Well, you know, you could just, you could just suspend the weekly Manny session, uh, just that week. <laughs> and you know, manicurists across, the, manicurists across the country would take a hit, but it's all in the name of freedom. <laughs> well, it, so, it, big thanks as we wrap up the show to Dave Kennedy. Again, find him on Twitter, Hacking Dave, and Ryan English from Lansing Tactical. And uh, catch the podcast, and we will to be continued after November 8th, and I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. This is Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. Find us each week live on America's Web Radio from 2 to 3, or podcast Lawyer Liz on iTunes. Thanks to America's Web Radio. Thanks to my law firm, Holly Smith, and thanks to y'all for listening in. Until next week. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.